The book of Luke chapter 19. Everybody let out a big exhale. It's good to be in church. You never know what God's going to do for you. Amen. I'm just going to read one verse because I know your feet are hurting. You've been standing for a long time and you're weary and you're exhausted. Thank the Lord. I'm actually going to read two verses. Luke 19. Let's go to verse 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and he delivered to them ten pounds. Now this is approximately, scholars say, three months worth of earnings. That he gave them all three months worth of earnings and he said to them occupy till I come occupy till I come the Lord's been dealing with me with just a little old thought that's in my heart and uh, I want to invite you today to join me as I do my very best to preach to you the word of the Lord from this one word in this chapter he said, I want you to occupy till I come. I'm going to preach this morning, occupy. Could we pray? Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the hunger that's in our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us in a mighty and powerful way today. Let the word of God go forth with great clarity. Let our hearts be ready to receive. Let there be good soil to receive the seed of the word of God that we may bear much fruit in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As we read in the book of Luke chapter 19, it's so easy sometimes when a preacher takes his text. It's easy as we extrapolate from one single verse to just think that's kind of the focus of the whole chapter but I want to tell you how important context is it matters what the context of the chapter is and it matters what the chapter is saying what was the context of what Jesus was teaching when he said to occupy till I come now this is actually a very famous chapter and it is a chapter about a man that wanted to see Jesus. His name was Zacchaeus. Jesus came to Jericho. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief among the publicans. And the Bible said that he was very rich. He was a very wealthy man. Uh, it is believed by the context of the conversation that his wealth had came more than likely from maybe skimming a little taxes from people. Now, I know you would never believe that a politician could ever become wealthy off of people. But that's what he was doing. And so it's a very, very interesting thing. Yet, in his imperfect state, he had a hunger the Bible said, to see Jesus. Now, I don't have time to preach this, but I do think 
I would be remiss if I don't stop right here and just add to what I'm preaching to you this morning. You don't have to be perfect to see Jesus. You don't have to have everything in order to have an encounter with Jesus. If you are hungry to see Jesus, it doesn't matter what everybody says about you. It doesn't matter what everybody thinks about you. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. And it doesn't matter who your mama is. If you want to see Jesus today, you can see Jesus. Now, it's going to cost you a little bit. It's going to be some work. The Bible said as Jesus was passing by that old Zach got in a hurry. And he didn't want to just be somebody else in the crowd. He wanted to see Jesus And so he ran ahead of the crowd, and the Bible said, don't take any offense to this. The Bible said that he was a short man. Some say he was the shortest man in the Bible, but I would disagree. I used to think that he was the shortest man in the Bible until I read about Nehemiah. Then I realized that Nehemiah was probably the shortest man in the Bible, and then it got worse than that, and I got in the scripture, and I read about Bildad the Shuhite. Those are the worst dad jokes you'll ever hear from the pulpit. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. That's horrible. And you laugh. Thank you for loving your pastor. And so Zacchaeus was a short man. Now, I'm not making fun of short people. But I'm going to tell you what this represents in the spiritual context of this. That anytime you try to reach Jesus, there's always going to be something that makes you feel like you're coming up short. I have stretched and I can't see him. There's always somebody else in my way. There's always something that's keeping me from seeing him the way that I want to see him. And Zacchaeus said, I'm not going to stand around. If you're wondering, I've already started preaching right here. He said, I'm not going to stand around and make excuses for why I can't see him. If I have to, I'll run out in front of everybody and I will climb a tree to be sure that I see him for myself. I want to tell you on this Sunday morning, there's nobody, your pastor or nobody seated by you on the pew today that's ever going to see Jesus for you. If you want to see Jesus, you got to go see Jesus for yourself. And so there's, there's principle after principle here. It's just... It's a powerful story. I, wish, I really do wish I had time to dissect all of this. But the Bible said that Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree. Well, why was it important? Why did he name the specific kind of tree? Why does it matter? Why didn't he just climb a tree? He climbed a sycamore tree. Why does that matter? Because the sycamore tree bore the fruit that was fed to swine. As a Jewish man, this was not a good place to be. In other words... The fruit that that tree bore somewhat brought shame to this man. And he said, by his actions, I don't really care what they think about me. If I have to abase myself and climb up in a tree that nobody else wants to be a part of, then that's what I will do to see Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? When you get desperate enough for God... There is nobody or no thing that could ever talk you out of having a relationship with Jesus. 
You'll climb anything you got to climb. You will abase yourself. It no matter how short you've come, you will do whatever you have to do to see Jesus. Does anybody want to see him this morning? Well, I've come up short in life. Well, let me tell you, everybody's come up short. How many of you ever heard that story? We've all been shot. Anybody ever heard that? I may have preached it years ago. The old, the old captain's driving the, the, the old Willie Jeep, you know. And he stops and picks this boy up that's holding his side. He goes to jump, jump up in the Jeep. And he said, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. He said, get in the Jeep. We're under fire. He said, sir, I can't. I've been shot. He said, we've all been shot. Get in the Jeep. Everybody's been shot. Everybody's been hurt. Everybody's come up short. But the devil wants you to believe that you've come up shorter than anybody else. The devil wants you to believe that your situation and your circumstance is so different and that yours is so bad that the Lord don't want anything to do with you. But I'm going to tell you what you did this morning. You looked the devil in the face whether you realize it or not. And you got up on Sunday morning and you said, I don't care how short I've come up. You ain't going to keep me from being in the house of the Lord. I'm going to get up on this blistering cold Sunday morning and I'm going to make my way to the house of God and I am going to see Jesus. You may think you're here today because somebody invited you here and I don't want to freak you out, but I'm going to tell you why you're here. You're here because you're curious of what Jesus can do in your life. You're here today because you're curious about the Pentecostal church. Somebody may have even came here today to see if we're really as crazy as you've been told we are. And we're probably worse. But if you had seen some of the messes that our lives were in when Jesus found us, I know you're sitting by people that's all dressed up this morning, but they hadn't always been in a suit. I'm telling you, when you want to see Jesus, he can still pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on a solid rock, and establish your going today. We believe that. And so, I must hurry this morning. Zacchaeus is climbing in the tree, and it's interesting the principle that we see here, when he puts forth the effort to see Jesus, Jesus puts forth the effort to come to him. Woo! Man, I just preached right there. You're dismissed. It's going to require some effort. But sometimes you're sitting around waiting on Jesus to come to you, and the only thing he's waiting on is to see if you want to come to him. Now, I believe that, I, I sincerely believe that he can, he can come to you on your sofa at home and deal with your heart. I believe that. But let me tell you what else I believe. I believe when you stand up on your feet and say, I don't care what I've been through. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care who offended me. Woo. Church, I'm going to tell you something this morning, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not trying to be ugly. But all this crazy church hurt and all, all, this, all this stuff that's going around. I'm going to tell you, I love him so much. You can't hurt me out of the church. You can't offend me out of the church. You can't make me mad enough to leave the church. I want to see Jesus. 
I'm not saying people have never been hurt, but they've never been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by people. They've never been hurt by God. Now, I'm not saying they've never been disappointed by his judgments. But either you believe that all things are working together for your good or you don't. And I'm going to tell you, even when I've been disappointed, I've learned to hold my peace. And posture myself that whatever i got to do, I'm going to see Jesus. And it's amazing that he'll come to right where I am. And he'll reach up to me and say, I am going to your house today. Now, I know this would have been a romantic story with a Disney twist on it if Jesus would have just showed up at Zacchaeus' house, knocked on the door and said, I came looking for you. But that wasn't how the story went. The Bible said Zach heard Jesus was coming to town. He climbed up in the tree. He made the effort. And then Jesus came to him and said, now that's somebody that wants to see me. I believe that's somebody I could go home with. How many of you want to take Jesus home with you today? And so Jesus tells him, he says, now look, I'm going to go to your house today. And I'm going to be a guest with you. And I realize what people are going to say about this. This is not King James Version. This is the Pastor Saint Version. He said, but I I don't give a rip what people say. I'm going to go to your house. He said, but I need you to do something for me. He said, I want to go to your house. And the Bible said that Zacchaeus stood and he said unto the Lord. He said in verse 8, behold, Lord... The half of my goods I give to the poor. Notice this spirit right here. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'm just going to tell him I'm sorry. He said, I am going to restore him fourfold. You want to know what this principle is Jesus is teaching right here? This is what repentance looks like. Repentance is not a prayer. Repentance is recognizing the error of my ways and saying whatever I have to do to make it right, that's what I'm going to do. Does that make us uncomfortable this morning? Jesus said to him, this day is salvation come to your house. Now in the Hebrew, this would be kind of a neat play on the words. Of course, the New Testament is written in Greek, but... Jesus was more than likely speaking Aramaic to him when he talked to him. And this is very interesting because when Jesus said, this day salvation come to you, literally Jesus would have said, today Yeshua is come to your house. When you realize that he's the only thing that can save you, then you'll quit trying to please everybody else that's never going to save you. Oh my God. And so here he is dealing with a man that apparently there's some people there that don't like very much. There's some people there that's frustrated. They were saying he's a sinner. And then Jesus makes this statement. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then we get to verse 11. Everybody doing okay? We get to verse 11 and said, and then he added... So Jesus is standing here with Zacchaeus and he said, I'm not finished teaching about this story. He came to seek and to save 
that which was lost. And I'm going to add this to it as well. Zacchaeus is standing there. All the finger pointers are standing there. Everybody that's got something to say is standing there. And Jesus said, let me tell you a little story. You think that the kingdom of God is just going to appear. In other words, you think that I've come to restore your earthly kingdom. But let me tell you a story. He said there was a certain nobleman who went off to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, but he was coming back. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I go away to prepare a place for you. That where I am you may be also, but I will come again unto you. Jesus is preparing them. He said, this man leaves. And he says that he's going to come back. So he called ten servants together. And he delivered to them ten pounds. And he said to them, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him. And they sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, he said, Lord, thy thy pound hath gained ten pounds. He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, You have authority over ten cities. Listen, if I had time, boy, I'd wear this out. He didn't tell them that their return determined how many cities they ruled over. God doesn't tell you every promise he's going to do if you're faithful. He didn't know know that his faithfulness in return to God was going to buy him ten cities. But there's always more to God than you can see. And he said, you're going to have authority over ten cities. The second came, he said, I've gained five pounds. He said, then you're over five cities. Another came, he said, Lord, behold, here's your pound, which I kept. I laid it in the napkin. I hid it. I did good. I hid it just for you. He said, for I feared because thou art an austere man, that thou takest up and that thou layest not down and that you reap that thou did not sow. And he said unto him, out of thine own mouth will I judge thee. Thou wicked servant. You knew what I was. You knew what I took up and laid down. What I reaped and did not sow. He said wherefore then. Gavest not thou my money into the bank. That I might get interest on it. Verse 24. He said unto them that stood by. Take from him the pound. And give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said well Lord. He has ten pounds. And he said well I say unto you. That unto every man which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. There's a powerful principle right here. What are you going to do with what God puts in your hands? What are you going to do? And so we come back to this powerful text this morning of verse 13. He said to them, here are the ten pounds. Now occupy until I come. Now this word occupy, it's a crazy long word in the Greek that you wouldn't remember if I told it to you today. It's very interesting. It's pragmatu amahi. It's forever long word that you're not going to remember. But let me tell you what it means in the English. 
The purest definition of this word simply means to carry on business. But something felt weird about this to me. Because there's more to the will of God than just staying busy. Woo! There's more to the will of God than just saying, I was busy till he came. He doesn't just want us to be busy. It matters what we're busy doing. You have an adversary that's doing everything he can to keep you fighting over things that do not matter. The Bible said that in the end time, the devil's going to do his best to wear out the saints. God don't just want us to be busy. It matters what we're busy doing. The devil will keep you swinging all the time at things that are not going to matter in eternity. What I'm saying to you on this Sunday morning is we're going to have to exercise wisdom of what battles we are willing to fight and what things we are willing to let go. I don't want you all to think I'm being ugly, okay? I don't, I don't want you to think I'm being insensitive. And I want to say this in the right way. But I'm not going to burn my energy up on social media with people that don't like the Word of God. I've seen preachers get on social media and fight with people that have two followers. Just being honest. Like, you, you love it or you don't. It's cool. You don't have to like it. You don't have to love it. But I'm not going to fight you over it. I'm set for the defense of the gospel. So what, what is worth fighting for? Anything that interrupts my destiny. If it's interrupting my destiny, we can engage. But if you just want me staying busy, occupying my time with things that don't matter, I'm the wrong guy. I'm not going to fight somebody else's battle. Some of us need to learn that lesson. That just because they're your friend, that doesn't mean that's your battle. Don't let them drag you into their battle that they've created by a Facebook post that they shouldn't have put out there. Get the pressure off your shoulders and just say, I'm not just going to stay busy. I'm not just going to fight things that are not my battle. The devil will keep you swinging with gossip. He'll keep you swinging with battles you were never meant to fight in your life. Did you hear what sister so-and-so said? No, I didn't. But that don't interrupt my destiny. Sorry. Did you hear what so-and-so did in their church? No, nope, I didn't. But that doesn't stop what we got to do in this church. I'm telling you, the will of God for our lives is more than just busyness. He did not say, be busy until I come back. He said, occupy. And there is so much more to this word than just staying busy. I don't want the Lord to just come back and, and find out that I've been busy doing what I want to do. When he comes back, I want him to find out I've been doing what you wanted me to do. It literally, it literally means to busy one's self. But I got to digging in this. And I thought, I wonder in the context what it really means. And the root of this word comes from the Greek word pragma. Which literally means 
that which has been done or an accomplished fact. That which is finished, in other words. When this man that Jesus is telling the story, the parable about, said, I want you to occupy until I come, this is what he was really saying, in my opinion. I have set you up to win. And I want you to busy yourself fulfilling this victory that I've already given you. Now, I'm going to mess with y'all for a minute. I got about 20 minutes until we're supposed to be out. And if God will help me, I'm going to get done early. If he don't, he's going to have to help me anyway. But I'm going to be honest with you today, church. I'm a little confused. Because I go to some churches and the devil is defeated. I go to other churches and they've been fighting the devil. I walk in there like, oh, Brother St. Clair, we're so glad you're here. We've been fighting devils. Like, well, thanks for inviting me to the party. I think I know their family. And then you walk in other places and they're like, oh, we've defeated the devil. We defeated the devil. But then they walk around like they're depressed. And so people will get up and they'll say, come on, shout till that devil's defeated. Well, hang on just a second. He's already been defeated. You can't do any better than the blood of Jesus. He don't need my help defeating devils. He's already defeated the devil. I've already read the end of the story the end of the devil but what I've got to make up in my mind is am I going to be one of the ones standing there when that sorry rascal is cast into the bottomless pit I want you to understand today we are not everybody say we are not fighting to win well pastor that's stupid I don't fight if I can't win I'm not fighting to win Jesus did not tell this story and say, fight to win until I come. He said, occupy till I come. Moses stood barefoot at a bush that was burning and could not be consumed. And God said these words, I have given you the land. Why did it take 40 years? It didn't take 40 years to win. They'd already won. The Lord said, I've given it to you. It's yours. It's that thing which is settled. The land belongs to you. But it's going to take you 40 years to learn how to occupy what I've already won. I can't get off this train. I've been on it. I've been teaching it in leadership sessions. I had two Zoom sessions, one on the West Coast last week and one in Arkansas doing leadership concepts from the book of Genesis that God has been dealing with me about. But when man, in Genesis 1:28, the first thing that he ever heard from the Lord is that you are blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You are blessed, so be fruitful and multiply. The Lord said, I put everything in you that you need for multiplication. You have already won. But what we're going to find out now 
is you're not fighting to win. You're fighting to occupy. And if you lose the battle, that doesn't mean God lost or God changed his mind. That means you fell in the garden and you don't want to occupy. Moses, I've given you the land. And they walk into the wilderness. He's leading the people. And the first time they bump up against trouble, they say, God hates us. We don't even have any good leeks and onions and garlic out here. What's wrong? God hates us. They got so mad, they looked at Moses and said, what would you do, you big dummy? Did you bring us out here to die because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt? Did you bring us out here to bury us in the wilderness? Isn't it funny when we get up against trouble, we just think the first thing that comes to our mind is, God's trying to kill me. You ever had a time in your life you wondered if you were going to make it through? But now when you look back on it, it's just a testimony of his goodness. My Lord, I've come to preach to somebody on Sunday morning and encourage your spirit. You are not fighting to win. The victory has already been won. You are fighting to occupy that victory. Now, I got, I've got to hurry because the Lord's helping me. I told you he's helping me. I've got to hurry. And so we come to this principle all throughout the scripture. But how, how many of you remember the story with, with Mary's cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah? Such a, such a cool story. She is pregnant with John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of Jesus Christ, six months ahead of Jesus. Amazing story. But let me take you to the encounter. Can I do that? Everybody say they're too old. It's too late. God can't do it. There's no way that these old people are about to have a baby. But the Lord shows up for the first time in 400 years that anybody has heard from the Lord from the close of Malachi until Zechariah is standing there at the altar. It's been 400 years since anybody's heard anything from the Lord. And the angel of the Lord stands at the right side of the altar. I'm fixing to preach this to you and I'm going to slip it in and it's going to be free. Okay? He's doing what he knows to do when God shows up. He wasn't standing around saying, well, when God shows up, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But until then, I'm waiting on the Lord. He was doing what he knew to do. His lot, the Bible said, was to burn incense. What was he doing when the Lord showed up, when that angel showed up? What was he doing? Burning incense. Woo! I'm preaching on Sunday morning. You know what he was doing? He was occupying. He was doing what he was called to do. And isn't it amazing that heaven showed up on the earth when a man was being faithful over what he knew to do? And the angel said, hey, big daddy, I want to tell you something. You get ready to go home to mama, and she's going to have a baby. He goes, nah. Can't happen. The Lord gives that angel some powerful permission because the scripture said, he reaches down and puts tape over his mouth. And he says, you are not going to say a word. You know the next time he talked was when he named the baby. When he finally put a name on the victory that God promised. 
the Lord said, now I can let you say something. Because Zechariah, I want you to understand, you're not fighting. You are not fighting to reproduce. I'm going to take care of that. But you're in a fight to see if you can say things like I've been saying them. You are in a fight to see if you can occupy the victory that I promised you. I've come on this Sunday morning to declare it with as much passion in my spirit as I can. And I hope somebody will agree with me this morning. I'm not just here to hype you up, but I've come to preach to you this morning that the devil is a liar. He's a liar. And everything he's told you that you can't have, I've come to tell you today, you can have. The devil's over here telling you you can't have victory. And the Holy Ghost is over here saying, I've already brought you the victory. Just occupy. 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 How do I occupy? You start saying it God's way. How do I get it done? You start saying what God wants you to say. You don't stand around and say, is God ever going to come through? Is God ever going to fix this? Is God ever going to get this done? This story, he said, if you're going to occupy, that means you're going to act on something as though it's already done. God has set it up and established for us to take what he's put in our hands and have it multiply and have it grow. Why are you preaching this on this cold Sunday in January, Pastor? Because I'm here to tell you in 2024, this church is growing. This church is having revival. This This church is taking territory. I'm hurrying to a close. I want to show you how this thing works. I don't really care where you stand politically or what you felt about the war. I just want to tell you a story about what happened in the war. Desert Storm. Three days after they got into Iraq, they were pulling down Saddam Hussein's statue. Three days. Three days after they got there. And then troops stayed there for 10 years. I, I, I'm, I'm not looking for opinions. I'm telling you something. If you've got the authority to walk in and start tearing images down, you've already won. But they spent the next five years trying to establish democracy in a place. I'm not saying if you're for it or against it. I'm telling you what they were doing. They walked in and said, I'm tearing this down. That's where most of us just stop and celebrate. I tore that thing down that the devil tried to set up in front of me. Now what are you going to do? I'm not just here to give the devil a black eye. I'm not just here to let the devil know, I've come to be cute. I'm going to clap. I'm going to dance just enough to get a little bit of victory. No, no. I mean, let me tell you what I'm about to do, devil. In 2024... I'm getting ready to move into the territory that you've been telling me I'll never have, but the Lord said, I've already given it to you. And I'm going to start establishing the kingdom of God. Anderson, Indiana, I want to tell you today, the kingdom is being established here. The kingdom is being established in every drug house. The kingdom is being established in every meth lab. The kingdom is being established in every homeless encampment. I'm here to declare it today. Devil, you thought this was yours, and you told us we couldn't have it. 
but Anderson, we're coming for you in 2024. And every day, we're driving out the powers of darkness. We're driving out drug addiction. We're gonna occupy. I didn't just come to get the Holy Ghost. I didn't just come to get baptized in Jesus' name. I believe you got to do it to be saved. But I didn't just come to get the Holy Ghost. I came to let the Holy Ghost work in me and start walking in dominion and authority in everything that God told me I could have. And the devil needs to know you're not going to quit until you've got dominion. Let's stand together this morning. Occupy. Anybody in here ever got a touch from the Lord, but you didn't feel like he finished the work in you? You know, I think my back's, I think it's a little bit better, but he didn't heal me all the way. And so then we start saying, well, I guess it's just his will. I'm not having migraines as bad as I used to, but I guess I'll just live with it. Let me tell you, the will of God this year is for us to start occupying things the Holy Ghost said we can have. It's time to start occupying. Every time I've tried to launch a ministry, Pastor, every time I try to start teaching, it's like there's resistance. Good, keep pushing. Every time I try to start teaching somebody a home Bible study, it's like everything gets get aggressive. The devil is trying to keep you from walking in there because he realizes if you ever get a hold of this place, he ain't never walking back in there. Some of you need to walk into your jobs. I'm not talking about being goofy. I'm talking about walking into your job and before you, before you get out of your truck onto your job, you need to just say it. Lord, I thank you for giving me territory today. Before you ever walk in there and clock in. Woo! Brother Azar was telling that story the other night. I think it was Brother Azar was telling the story the other night. He said he was having a hard, hard time at work, so he started going to work 30 minutes earlier. He said, I'd sit out in the parking lot and pray for 30 minutes before I'd go in and clock in. Hey, devil, you may have pushed me last year, but you didn't push me down. I've come to occupy in 24. I've come to take the territory that God has given me. I believe it, church. I believe today that God has given us territory. Now we got to go occupy. How many of you believe it with me?